whenever I hear computational, I think of computational photography. And I have this little phone in my pocket that can take pictures well beyond what that glass has any rights to be taking. And these headphones for me could take MP3s and AAC audio and video files and play them back in a way that was just beyond what any compressed streaming or Bluetooth audio had any business of sounding like. And I get that there are hardwire headphones that are better. And I guess I get that there are cheaper noise canceling headphones that are that can do different things. But it's like, okay, I get that a point and shoot camera that's cheaper than an iPhone can take better pictures depending on the lens assembly. But people complain about how expensive the iPhone is. But real photographers and cinematographers are like, wait, I can get Dolby Vision for under $1,000. Are you kidding me? And to me, this was the same thing. I'm like, I can get audio that sounds like I have a DAC an interface that I'm hooked up to a real hardline audio source playing Dolby Atmos or something, and I can do it wirelessly on my head for 500 bucks. I am the target audience. Take my money. Welcome to Geared Up. I'm Andrew Edwards. I'm John Rettinger, and it, it feels good to be back. It does feel good to be back. This is typically the show that brings you the latest in tech news and commentary on a weekly basis. It's been a while. Before we jump into why, let's jump into the fact that this week, we are proud to present the greatest guest in the history of the show. Out of all the guests we've had, and we should say, Drew, before you jump into the guest, that we are coming back. Okay. Every, we are coming back every week. Correct. We are. We are back on schedule. Now back to our guest. He is a man, but also a myth and legend. It is Mr. Rene Ritchie. How are you doing, my friend? When you said great guest, I was looking for Justine. Then you said, man, I was looking for Marquez. And then I was like looking for Judner. I wasn't sure where you were going to go. And then I got lucky. It's, it was just me. I, I, I want yes. people I want people to know what a professional Renee is. So you obviously, this is a podcast. You obviously can't see him, but we can on a group call. And he has his lightings, his lights already done up perfectly as if he's about to roll camera. Uh, he's in like it, 4K. And we're on webcam. Explain to us the history of the M1 processor and how it came to be. <laughs> So I have one shot. That's how I get videos done. I have one shot. Everything is routed into there. And it's, I have everything going into an A10 Mini that then just plugs into my Mac. So I never have to touch or set up or do anything. I mean, that's smart. That's a smart way to do things. I mean, that's a good way to go. Speaking of Marquez, Marquez, MKBHD, will be our guest next week on the show in case anyone is interested in hearing from him. But this week, it's Renee Ritchie talking about real quick, though. The reason the show has been on a hiatus, it wasn't planned, but it was basically... We had a short hiatus because of all the releases that Apple was dropping in Q4. And then it seemed like it was over and we can get back to the show. And then holidays and CES came up out of nowhere, as did AirPods Max. Just to be honest, I, I was kind of drowning for, for a minute there and just content and videos and brand stuff. So now that the new year is here and the craziness of Q4 slash CES is over, we are back and I apologize. You were contenting. Yeah, just making content. I mean, if you if you can't find me on the podcast, you're obviously going to be able to find me anywhere else, including YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Clubhouse. <laughs> You've been preaching. You've been holding service. You have been teaching young and upcoming YouTubers how to be a business and not just someone who makes videos. Yes. I mean, I, I want to see people do well. I want to see people out there be their best, make the money that they can make and kind of expand their horizons. And so- And I don't want to dime you out. I don't want to dime you out to John, but I will. Like, John, you have to listen to him because he's like, say YouTuber one more time. Say it. I dare you. <laughs> I, I dare you. You are a content cross-platform creator. Say YouTuber again. <laughs> it stabs me in the heart every time I hear someone say that. Like, you're, you're, you're limiting your potential, your mindset. Don't do this. But Renee, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw this to you as the first topic of our show, real quick, we're not going to spend too much time on this, but how would you describe what Clubhouse is if anyone is listening to this show and like, what are these guys talking about? So it's currently an iOS only app that lets you do drop-in audio chat. So it's almost like a live real-time, never recorded, never play backable group podcast slash presentation slash conference. And what I like about it is that it's so new. It reminds me of Twitter in the very early days when you could mm. still read the timeline before Ashton Kutcher showed up and ruined it for everybody. <laughs> when we all knew each other, we could, and you had access to everybody who was on there. And like now, like some of the biggest YouTubers, biggest online business people, 
I hate calling them founders, but you know, people who started businesses, yes. you know, it's all sorts of people just show up and they're sharing pretty much everything because it's new. And I think that's going to go away as it becomes more popular. So I'm just trying to get in there and learn as much as I can before that happens, before it grows up. Yeah. John, you said you have the app. I have it, have not once used it. <laughs> I was happy to hear the explanation on what it was. <laughs> so you have an account though. So you joined. I mean, I, I do have an account. Uh, I will. And I will promptly drop, swiped up. I will drop in. I will call myself a call myself a YouTuber, and I will listen to Drew <laughs> yell at me, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. So invite only. I liken it to almost. It's just like live radio. So whoever you can start a talk, you can invite people in, almost like calling into a radio show, and then anyone else who wants to listen can listen. But as Renee said, it's it's so different from everything else online because there's no recording. Like we're so used to everything being, yeah. you know, once it's created, it's there forever. So it's almost like it's like an Instagram story, but it doesn't even last 24 hours. The second it's someone says something, if you missed it, it's gone. And the thing that's funny about it right now is like I watched Logan Paul and Mr. Beast have a conversation about YouTube when their views could not be more diametrically opposite. And then yeah. Drew and I were in a room, a TechTuber <laughs> room, where Justine dropped in, and then Jenna saw that she dropped in, and Justine was late for getting to Jenna's house. So Jenna dropped in, started saying, like, <laughs> where are you? And Brian Tong was there, so they started talking about all the behind-the-scenes CES stuff that they all had to go through, and it just went from there. It was totally serendipitous. Yes, I, I like it. It's very interesting. And I think my favorite aspect is the the non-tech room, just, like, the comedy rooms and just, like, stuff that is entertaining or like I've, there's been some science rooms I've been in like like Mars rovers and everything from NASA people it's, you can just learn so much in this app so that's Clubhouse invite only if you want to join it it's on iOS Android coming soon and we can just point out like you can go to the website and sign up and if somebody in the app knows you they'll get notified and they can let you in so just go oh, to yes. the website and fill it out Renee you just started a new channel did yes the true story you in Georgia Tell us about this. So you mean the, the podcast channel or the other new channel? <laughs> Too many new channels. You and Georgia talking. Yes. Well, I mean, the new, new one. Yeah. So Georgia and I have been podcasting for a long time. Back when Dieter Bone left Imore and went to The Verge, I needed people to podcast with. So Georgia very kindly jumped in. We'd been friends before that. So we did the Imore show together for a while. We did a show called Zen and Tech together for a while. We did a couple other shows together, and then she got really busy with her therapy life. Her therapy practice just took off. But I wanted to do another podcast post Mobile Nation's career, and I yeah. thought about doing like the guest show. But then I'm always terrible at arranging guests. Like it's like the, like three minutes. I'm like the John Gruber of arranging guests, except without <laughs> his Rolodex. So like three <laughs> minutes before it starts, I don't have anybody. So I figured it'd be good to have a co-host. And we could just make it a weekly thing. And Georgia was gracious enough to do it. So because I live all week in tech and she lives all week in therapy, we try to talk about the psychology behind the technology and not just what we use, but why we use it and, and what it does to us. It's such an interesting mix because when you hear it, here, here's this person's specialty and here's this person's specialty. How are you going to turn that into a show? But you guys, obviously, I mean, Georgia has a background in consumer tech as well, but she, she's just so smart and, and personable when it comes yeah. to explaining the therapy aspect of what she does. I mean, you guys are fantastic together um, oh, in what you. you do. So I just want to let people know if they want even more Renee Ritchie and to see someone who brings out even a, a better Renee Ritchie than even we bring out on this show. <laughs> Check out what Renee and Georgia are doing. Yeah, she will drag me back and forth across that show. She has zero mercy. <laughs> she will just destroy me if it's good radio. <laughs> and then last for new channels, John and I, but we did not plan this. We did not. But John and I both have new channels in the works. John, sure. tell me what you are working on. So I've only teased my channel. I have not yes. announced what it is or what it's going to do, but I feel like a podcast I co-host probably seems like a good place to do that. Isn't it? I mean, it does seem like a good good place. And then I don't want to steal Andrew's thunder, but we, we came to these decisions independently. But as somebody who has run a business now for over 10 years, sold part of a business, succeeded in some areas, failed in many more areas, um, and sort of had to find ways to manage being the sole 
provider for my family, but also being the source of income for people that work with me, the new channel will focus on personal finance and trying to help people build wealth, find wealth, identify wealth, how to identify passive income opportunities, as well as filter in some recommendations for those that want to be in the online world and find ways to sort of capitalize on the opportunities that are there. The channel will be called Money Rush, and hopefully we'll be launching sometime next month. The first video is already filmed and video two is already scripted, but hopefully we'll be up relatively soon. A totally new vertical for me and one that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. Money Rush. I like Money it. Rush. That, that, first time I've ever said that name out loud, actually, on, on any, any, pla- <laughs> any platform. Exclusive. Exclusive. So I also am launching a channel focused on personal finance and wealth building. We should have talked. I mean, really, I know, we should have talked and just done it together. You guys. <laughs> well, it's, it's so outside of, what, of the content that we do now that why would you think that someone else, let alone the co-host <laughs> of the same tech podcast that you do, would have the, a similar idea? Mine is going to be more focused on, like my goal is your income shouldn't be your income. Your income should be what you use to generate your actual income. How to make your money grow, basically. How to use your money to make your money grow into even more money is going to be what I'm focusing on. So that also should be coming in the next three to four weeks. I should be getting started. So new content from all of us. Yes. Here. Pretty exciting. Now, now I, I could not bear to listen to you sequentially because I could not choose favorites. So I'm going to get two iPhones connected to two <laughs> sets of AirPods and have one of you left ear, one of you right ear, and just same time at all. You see, Renee, Renee is so nice. Look at that. That's what I love about this man. Let's get into some news. First, let's start with some of the easy ones. Apple today just announced Fitness Plus, time to walk. Now, I I love how Apple describes this stuff. Wait, do you mean today Apple launched ads on my watch? (laughs) No, it's no. I mean, that's an interesting way to look at it. I don't think it's an ad. But let me let me read to you what they say it is, and then let's actually tell you what it is. So Apple right. says, Time to Walk offers an inspiring new audio walking experience on Apple Watch for Fitness Plus subscribers. Each original Time to Walk episode invites users to immerse themselves in a walk alongside influential and interesting people as they share thoughtful and meaningful stories, photos, and music. Time to Walk can be enjoyed anytime and anywhere with Apple Watch and AirPods, or other Bluetooth headphones. I mean, this is basically just, I want to go for a walk and listen to someone tell me a story. That's what this is. But the way that they phrase it, it's like this ephemeral, heavenly <laughs> voice that's going to guide you through, you know, but that's just the, that's just Apple talking and being Apple. But they did something smart though. Like they, because I listen to a ton, I'm sure everybody does listen to a ton of audiobooks, a ton yes. of podcasts while I'm walking. Yeah. And I thought this would just be, okay, Apple invented the podcast. But the thing that's really <laughs> different about it is that the person is sort of like in on the joke. Like they talk to you, like they're also out walking and they're like, yeah, I love to I talk to you about walking while you're doing it. So it feels more <laughs> like, not like you're walking with a buddy because it's not a conversation, but more like you're out on some sort of lead walk experience where like this famous person is walking <laughs> through Manhattan or hiking or something and you're just along. And I would love, I would straight up love, I'm going to radar this and copy you guys. I would love Tim to walk. And just have Tim Cook tell me about his day mm. as we go. That would be interesting. <laughs> now, I did not realize that the people who were reading or or talking to you were actually also walking. I just thought they they were like went into a sound booth, told a story. They say hi to people who are passing by. It's so it's like it's it's unreal at first, <laughs> but then it's so what? real afterwards. <laughs> They're just getting mobbed by fans asking for autographs while walking. They don't get recognized. It's so weird. It is. A Fitness Plus feature specifically, so you need to be an Apple Fitness Plus subscriber to access this. And the one cool thing that I thought was interesting was how the media will show up on your watch. So obviously, if there's a playlist happening while they're talking, you can see that playlist on your watch. But they also mentioned that pictures will show up. So as you're walking, if they mention something, you could look down at your watch and actually see a photo of what they're talking about. Do, do either of you gentlemen go for walks? I didn't notice that because I, it's so cold here. I'm wearing Bernie mittens and I, I didn't even think to look for pictures. <laughs> uh, I, and I, I go for walks. I mean, it's it's cold here right now, but it's, it's 55 degrees. I usually try to go for walks three or four times a week. So I, I'm, I will give it a shot. I'm open-minded. Okay. 
I really can't. I really can't handle listening to Draymond Green talk at all. But I listen to him <laughs> uh, in my in my ear for about eighteen minutes while I probably try to power walk because I'm angry. Wow, is that a, is that a Draymond thing or is that a, a rivalry between Northern and Southern Cali? No, no, it's a Draymond thing. It, it's a Draymond. <laughs> thing. Yeah, no, it's straight up Draymond thing. <laughs> Dolly's fine. Draymond is dead to me. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I do see the value in it. Obviously, I think it's a very cool way to do it, and it's a very Apple way yeah. to go about reinventing the idea of a technology that's certainly been around. And if it gets people moving, gets people healthier, then I mean, it's hard to find fault with that. Absolutely. Let's uh, move on to AirPods Max. The reason we're moving on to AirPods Max is because we haven't had done a show since AirPods Max was announced and released. It's true. So I'm wearing AirPods Max right now, as is Renee. Renee is pulling the baller move, which is you put your AirPods Pro in and then you hide them by putting AirPods Max over them, which is always... <laughs> Uh, the good, <laughs> that's a good way to do it. Now, AirPods Max, in case you missed it, is Apple's over-ear headphones with computational audio all throughout. I own them. Renee owns them. John, you said you bought them and returned them. I did. Before we talk about that, I want to talk to Renee for a quick second. Actually, I'll give my, my one opinion that I have. So I like them. I think they sound great. The thing that I was most, I don't know if I would say surprised by, but kind of thrown aback by, I guess, was during the review process when people got their hands on these and started talking mm-hmm. about them. Obviously, you're going to start making comparisons, especially due to the price. The AirPods Max yeah. are 550 oh, yeah. right? So people are going to start comparing them to like $350 Bose headphones or $350 Sony's, for example. What stuck out to me, though, was so many people would say when comparing these, here are all the things that Sony and Bose can do or have that the AirPods Max are missing. And for $550, you would hope that they would at least have this feature parity. Yeah. But they would never close that circle and say, now here's the things that the AirPods Max can do that the Sony and Bose can't do at all, which there are several things, but they would just never, they would just get missed. It would just be, the AirPods Max don't have this stuff. End of story. Why are they so expensive? Did you guys catch that? No, I was going to say, I loved when you did that video because I got to see all these different reviewers and how they tackled them. Because for me, whenever I hear computational, I think of computational photography. And I have this little yeah. phone in my pocket that can take pictures well beyond what that glass has any rights to be taking. And these headphones for me could take MP3s and AAC audio and video files and play them back in a way that was just beyond what any compressed streaming or Bluetooth audio had any business of sounding like. And I get that there are hardwire headphones that are better. And I guess I get that there are cheaper noise canceling headphones that are that can do different things. But it's like, Okay, I get that a point-and-shoot camera that's cheaper than an iPhone can take better pictures depending on the lens assembly. But people complain about how expensive the iPhone is. But real photographers and cinematographers are like, wait, I can get Dolby Vision for under $1,000? Are you kidding me? And to me, this was the same thing. I'm like, I can get audio that sounds like I have a DAC, an interface that I'm hooked up to a real hardline audio source playing Dolby Atmos or something, and I can do it wirelessly on my head for 500 bucks. I am the target audience. Take my money. Yes. And especially when you, like, I know, I know it's relegated to iOS devices, which I feel like is a little bit of a miss, but spatial audio feature is the full name is spatial audio with dynamic head tracking, which is why it has to be locked to a device that can track your head. If they separated it out to just spatial audio through an Apple TV or something like that. But either way, like watching something in Dolby Atmos with the AirPods Max on is a it's an experience. It's just an experience. It's one of those things. It's almost like trying to explain the experience of virtual reality to someone who's never tried it themselves. Like all the words in the world will never really get that point across until they put a headset on themselves and give it a try. Now, that said, John, (laughs) tell me about your experience with these AirPods Max. So, I mean, we bought a couple pairs. The Apple Circle has their own pair. We bought them. We kept them. I love technology. Obviously, I do this for a living. I am not an audio guy. Mm. I'm just not. I know an audio sounds good and it sounds doesn't, but I, I'm just not that much of an audio guy. The reason I decided to not keep the AirPods, I keep saying AirPods Pro Max. I got to really fight <laughs> the Yeah, because I'm sure those are coming soon at some point. And, and it came down to a flaw 
had nothing to do with the audio, and that was charging via lightning. Ah. I just I, I want I want to eliminate anything in my life that charges via lightning that I can't I can't charge wirelessly. My AirPods I can charge wirelessly. My phone I charge wirelessly. It's more of a personal thing. I just I like to have one cable that I can charge things with. And that was a big reason. And I, I get the reasons you guys said. And if I was an audiophile, if audio mattered that much to me, I think I would appreciate them sure. a lot more than I have. But for somebody who just wants decent noise canceling so I can't hear my kids, then the Sony and the Bose that I already have were fine. I just had a hard time justifying keeping them. And then to have to charge them via lightning just was infuriating to me. That makes sense. Everything you just said makes, makes perfect sense if you're not an audiophile. Does that apply across the board, like in a movie theater or home theater, et cetera? You know, I, it seems like I know when audio sounds good to me. I know when it sounds bad, but I'm not, I don't care about the bit, right? If all this music, I just want to hear the music. I'll just hit play on whatever I got on my phone. And that's usually okay. And I know that's, that's a big gap in my tech expertise. And like one I'm very keenly aware of as a gap, it's just, you can't fake passion. For sure. For audio. I mean, I'm hearing you and Renee talk about it. I'm like, I wish I had that for audio. And so I've never really tried to go too much into that world because I just, I just don't have it. But I think you lay out a point there. That's like, that's the, the challenge for the AirPods. I'm going to say Pro Max now. Uh, that's the Air, that's a challenge <laughs> for the AirPods Max. And it's the same challenge as the original OG HomePod is that you have to care about audio enough to be willing to pay a premium price, but not so much that you demand complete manual control over it the way most audio files would because there's no EQ yeah. on this. It does computational EQ. It doesn't want your human meat fingers messing with that, those like EQ <laughs> buttons. There's no off switch. It doesn't want you turning these things off and on and managing the bat. And that is like anathema to high-end audiophiles the same way like the HomePod was. And I wonder if there's enough people like me who enjoy high-quality audio but have not the time nor talent to make it for myself. It just seems really narrow to me. And I, I think that's a fair point. And there's an old joke that was made that Apple has a team of audio engineers that they keep in the basement and they let them design a new product every 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like, you know, the past couple of years, they've let them design a few products. And it's, it's an interesting approach. It's a very Apple approach, right, to high-quality audio. We know what you want. Just shut up and listen and you'll like it. I was actually wondering, I don't know if this is uh, the case or not, but you know how they have, I think they're called iTunes Masters, if I'm not yeah, mistaken, yeah, yeah. where they have the basically the, the mastered version of the track. And I, I never asked Apple about this, but I wonder if that is the EQ that they're going for is the computational audio is processing the tracks in a way that would make it match or as closely match as possible to what the mastered audio is supposed to sound like. So my understanding is that they have like the, that giant sound lab, they tune it to scientific perfection. Like they have minus two decibel rooms and they have rooms that they can adjust the acoustic pattern to match any of the 2000 samples they took from Apple employees, all this crazy stuff. So they, they get it to scientific perfection and then they bring artists in to make it human because the scientific version is unlistenable. Oh. So like they warm it up, they brighten it up and they make it something that humans would enjoy rather than just a mathematical pattern. And then, so it is opinionated, which is why I think some people don't, don't jam with it the same mm. way, but that's what they want to do. So it's almost like the same thing as the mastering process. And those people are high bit nerds, like everything about compression and how it affects everything. Those people are all over it, but I think they're doing the same thing just on the out, like on, on getting it to your ears instead of getting it out of their, yeah. their servers. Interesting. So that's AirPods Max 549. I like them a lot but I completely understand like the way John explained it is like, it's, this is not a, a mass market product. It's probably going to be the most mass market $550 headphone out there, but <laughs> it is not a, you know, a, a product that you're probably going to see. This is, this is my guess that you're probably not going to see once travel is back and everything like that. You're probably not going to see a lot of these out there just due to the price. But I've said that about several things that Apple has made, including the iPhone 10 when that was the first $1,000 phone, and all of a sudden, that was just everywhere. So I am curious to see what this looks like. So before we move on, and for you two who are, are obviously fans of, of the AirPods Max, how do you feel about the case? It's very polarizing. So here's, here's um, my... I don't really care. Like, So I have the case here. <laughs> so here's what I feel like that, and I'm not justifying this in any way, but I feel like... Every AirPod, whether it's AirPod, AirPods Pro, AirPods Max, has a thing that you open the top, you put them in, and you close it, right? So this matches up with every other AirPod that has been released to date. Now, is that good? No, this isn't the best case. This isn't anywhere near the best case I've ever used. 
But for me, I just throw it to the side and I never even consider it again. It's almost like it was almost like the the packaging material, the way I use it. Now I know when traveling happens again and I want to if I want to have these in my bag, it will need to be in some sort of case in order to go into the low power mode. I do have the Waterfield Designs version of the case, which is more of a typical case that has magnets in it so that it will shut them off. That's how they turn off and on is by having the magnets near the ear cups. But I don't know, like for me, I don't care. Like, I'm not like, why didn't they give me a real case? I just don't care. I'm not positive or negative on it. But I do wonder, for people out there, how much of a care is it? How bad is it? Is it so bad that people are going to spend money on a third-party product just to have better housing for their AirPods Max? I forgot there was a case. I totally forgot there was a case until John brought it up. I looked at them. I thought they looked like chaps. I took them off. I put them in a shelf somewhere and I never thought about them again. <laughs> chaps. <laughs> Listen, and, and respectfully, it, it, it sounds like you guys love these headphones so much you're willing to overcome some potential shortcomings or extra costs to go with it, right? If whenever you go on a travel again, you are going to need a case. Are you going to spend another 50 to 100 bucks on a case for your already $550 headphones right. to get that EQ that you can't do much with manually? It's a hard, just a hard pill for me to swallow all of it. And again, probably stems from me not being an audiophile, but it just, it just seems like another weird thing about those. I never use cases. I should say that. Like I have the Bose, the, I have the Sony's. I, I, I don't use the case for any yeah. of them because I travel like an animal. That's true. I also don't use the cases either, but <laughs> so That's I, fair, I don't use cases on any of my other headphones. However, this one has like the mesh canopy thing. Yeah, that's true. Like every other headphone has like the hard plastic. So that's not going to break the mesh canopy like if, if a pen or something gets close to it, it can like you know puncture it and so they're not comfortable on your like when you put them on your neck it feels like you're being cross choked <laughs> that's true too that's true too you have to like carry them over your arm like uh, <laughs> like farouk like that that tweet that i put out there is like these these make me feel like i'm lebron james leaving the press conference like you have to like carry them <laughs> like that little bag that he has and just skip around the airport. So that's, that's just going to be that's me. Fair. You have to embrace. You have to embrace the case. Embrace the case. All right. Let's move on to something that John has not returned. I don't know how you feel about this. I assume it's positive. But let's talk about the Galaxy S21 and S21 Ultra. The full reviews have started dropping. And they come out later this week publicly. So we've been using these for a couple of weeks now. What are yeah. your thoughts? So uh, I'll chime in on the Ultra. We have a video up, by the way, that's comparing the 21 versus the 20. We'll drop it in show notes. So I, I think that Samsung addressed a lot of the problems that were inherent in the S20 Ultra. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the focus was a real big issue, especially with their, their space zoom. It was, it was almost unusable. And they've addressed, they've addressed that. The camera system at this point, and I, it's a tough thing to say, but I always look at the Pixel every year. It's like a reset on what smartphone cameras could do for stills. Mm-hmm. Pixel came out, that was the bar. Everybody else was trying to reach for it. I think in some ways, Apple matched the Pixel. Some ways it, it beat it. Some ways it fell short. But I feel like the camera system on the S21 Ultra is almost that Pixel-level reset for me. For what it's capable of, of doing was extremely impressive. And sort of the, the two adages that I'm always hearing people say about Android is it slows down after a few months yeah. and video is just not as good as Apple. And I think those are two points that are no longer valid and and moot. And I think what Samsung has done, and this I've I've asked and asked and asked, and nobody will tell me. My inclination is that with the S20, Samsung wants to do the processing on the stills and the video. Uh And with the 21, they let Qualcomm's chipset do the processing. I had a long extended chance to play with the reference design of the 888. Actually, I helped, fun story, I helped announce the 888 at the press conference on stage. Yeah. So I, I got to hold that device for a long time. These pictures that came out of it looked really similar to what I saw on the reference device. Beyond that, they dropped the price 200 bucks. They did remove micro SD card spot, which for me didn't matter, but I know people feel passionately about that. They sure do. And they got rid of MST, which was the only reason to ever use Samsung Pay. It would <laughs> essentially create the magnetic field. Yeah. So if terminals that didn't accept NFC payments, you could like magic use it. And that was, I use that all the time. And that was removed as well. But $200 savings, I think, was a smart move. That was a long answer, Andrew. But my answer is I really like the S21 Ultra. And I think it's going to be a big win for Samsung. 
I don't think that was a long answer. I mean, that was a good answer. I agree with you on just about everything with the exception, and this is not, I don't think this is a huge deal, but I do still think Apple has the, has the edge in video. I do think that being able to record in HDR Dolby Vision in your, I mean, that's just ridiculous in your pocket versus 100%. the usage of 8K, which Apple does not have, but Samsung does. I just don't find that to yeah. be as useful shooting in 8K. But take that that one thing aside, which a lot of people probably aren't even shooting in HDR or 8K anyway. Yeah. It really is a massive difference. Like last year, I was so disappointed because the S20 Ultra, when they presented it on stage, to me was just like, this is incredible. Like what they're showing that this thing can do is absolutely crazy. And remember they had, um, (laughs) wait a minute. Was this the, was this the event where I was wearing the mask? Yeah. 20 event was was right before before the world ended. Okay. So when Samsung announced the, the S20, you love the story. I had a face mask on because there were these inklings Loved of this the new virus that was going around, and everyone from all around the world was coming to this event. And I was like, you know what? Let me just protect myself. John sees me, walks up to me, and instantly roasts me. Like, what are I you mean, doing? It's true. I did, I did, what are I you did doing do wearing that? that? Anyway, back to the S20. They showed, I forget who it was, but it was a pair of content creators that were demoing Space Zoom in the presentation. Yeah, this, this, Slow-mo guys, I think. Yeah. Doing it. And it was like, look how look how amazing this is. I don't know what they did, but it became very obvious that there was no way, whether you had a tripod, whether you had the, you stopped the earth from spinning so that everything was just perfectly still. There was no way that you were going to replicate the quality of space zoom that they showed off. The focus issues that you talked about, the, the camera just wouldn't focus. Like it was just maddening. And so seeing what they did this year, I was so apprehensive. And then actually using it, it's like, this is what last year should have been. And I feel like Samsung does that a lot. The Galaxy yep. Fold, Z Fold 2, this is what the original should have been. Their second gen stuff is so good, especially when compared to, like they make this big leap in one year. The S S21 regular, non-ultra, is obviously going to be the one that, I say obviously because it's the cheapest, that most people will gravitate towards. And that one has the most corners cut when compared to previous years. It does. So, you know, I don't think as good as the S21 Ultra is, I don't know that that's going to be a big seller when compared to something like just the, the standard Galaxy S21. And when you look at that phone, there's so much taken away this year that was in last year's phone that I think a lot of people are kind of disappointed despite the fact of how good it is. I, I think a lot of what you said is fair. Just first to the S21 8K thing. I think what you, I think it is still true. I think Apple is still shooting better video or the option to shoot better video. But I think the difference and the delta there is significantly smaller. Yeah, for so sure. a lot of eyes, people will probably never notice a difference. Yeah. And you get to choose, right? Do you want the Dolby Vision? The 8K I think is only nice if you want to pull stills out of it. Otherwise, it, it's it's grossly unnecessary, especially without having the SD card slot in there. But, you know, pulling stuff out of the S21 is interesting. So gone is a 1440p display. Yep. And now you've got a, a 1080p display. And like it's such a give and take thing, right? Like I've, I've given Apple so much crap over the years for lower resolution displays. But Samsung still does their displays so well. I feel about displays the way you guys feel about audio. Like I am... I spend a lot of time pixel peeping and, and caring about displays and there's no way around it. It is still a lower resolution display, yeah. but it still is amongst the best of 1080p displays. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I get why Samsung did it to some extent. And I believe didn't the cost also go down on the S21? Yes, the S20? it did for sure. So I'm, I think that's an important point to make as well. And I think Samsung clearly felt that they didn't hit the mark with the S20 line because of price. So fixed price, more people buy phone. Perhaps they've missed, you know, they're, they're wrong in where their supply and demand curve meet, right? Like where's their X and Y axis? And maybe they just felt lowering price, they'd find it quicker. I think the S21 is still a big success. And I think what it does in the camera department is really good. Yeah. I think if people are buying smartphones for cameras, they won't be disappointed. 
if they're buying them solely for displays and they're expecting the best of the best from a Samsung flagship, then they'll be disappointed. Right. And the removal of the magnetic payment and the... Yeah. Yeah, but that's weird. That in some areas, in like Europe, have the MST stuff. That's true. Just the U.S. versions that, that like got it removed. Yes, which is like especially odd. You know what else got removed, John? Tell me. Two months ago, Samsung put out a tweet that was it was just this. It was a picture of a charger, a charging brick that said "still included <laughs> with your Galaxy." This was two months ago. Do you know what happened two months ago? Apple released a phone, and so Samsung was saying, "Hey, Apple is not including a charger." with your new phone, but this is included with your Galaxy. Not eight weeks later, the tweet is deleted and Samsung no longer ships the charger in the box. Samsung did not have an extended portion that talked about saving the world or anything. They just removed it, it's just gone. Now, they did lower the price of their charging brick. I'm sure they're not making excuses because that tweet did not age well. (laughs) They did lower the price of the charging brick. Can I do... I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, I remembered that I was infuri- I remembered I was infuriated as I was filming my reviews of these phones. There's one aspect of Samsung phones I find inexcusable, and they do it every year, no matter how much they charge for phones. I do not, in any world, want to see Samsung ads on my $1,300 phone when I look at a notification sheet. Oh my god, terrible! They put their own ads all over the phone, and it's infuriating. If I'm buying an Amazon Fire phone where I know it's ad supported, no problem. If I'm spending thousand yeah. dollars plus, I don't want to see it. I'm with you. I want to see it. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. 100%. 100%. In fact, this happens with Samsung smart TVs too. You set up smart TV. I mean, I love my Samsung TV, but True. when I pull up the menu, why is there an ad? Like, what are you doing? Why are you advertising? T- why are you advertising TVs to me when I just bought one? On my, t- on my TV. Are you crazy? Renee, get in here because you you haven't had it. You haven't said anything about this. Uh, <laughs> well, I was enjoying the discussion. Yeah, no, I mean, well, Renee's to, been quiet. To go in reverse order, they did that with Blu-ray players too back in the day. I I just took them back. Like if I turned on my Blu-ray player and it played me an ad, I took that thing back. And that's how I feel now. It's like <laughs> you can give me something for free with ads, and I'll see if you make if it's valuable. I'll do it. But if I pay for it, you know, that's that's a hard ask to make. I, I'm sort of mixed on what Samsung's doing. I see that like they originally they were like Apple for nerds. Like I know you like that iPhone thing, but you want your SD card slot, you want your removable battery, you want all these things. Yep. And then little by little, they're taking those things away. But at the same time, they used to be much closer to Apple design. And I'm like, if I want an iPhone, I'll get one. If I don't want an iPhone, give me something different. And now it feels like they have that brand identity. Like they're doing stuff that's really different really interesting. And I don't buy that whole like phones are boring now. I think like a lot of reviewers get bored of phones because if you got a new phone every two weeks, you get bored of them too, just just by sheer volume. But these phones are super interesting. I I like what they're doing. I'm not personally affected like John or or you with the removal of an SD card slot (laughs) uh, because they have a lot of main memory now. And I like that they're increasing the value and increasing the technology. The only thing where maybe, I don't know if I even disagree with John, is that to me, I look at displays like a set of very different parts that you can play around with. So resolution is one thing, color gamut is another thing, the anti-aliasing, the contrast ratio, and the refresh rate, and all of those are trade-offs in terms of power and just what they can fab at this point. So if they go down and it looks worse, I hate it. But if they go down and they give me something else that makes up for it, like I think some of the higher refresh rate panels look as good as the higher resolution, lower refresh rate mm-hmm. panels. Mm-hmm. So it's to me, it's not an absolute in any one of those things. It's, it's how they manage to do the total package. And I think Samsung and Apple have been really, really good at making smart trade-offs with their panels over the last few years, where some companies really have not. For sure. I'm very curious what this looks like. Entry level iPhone 12, which by all rumor seems to be the iPhone 12 lineup is killing it in a way that iPhones of a few, few previous iPhones haven't, especially the 12 Pro, the one that, was that the one that John, you said like, this is the one you should never, no, was it the mini or the pro? I forget. No, I said the only two phones that are worth that are worth buying <laughs> is what I said. It was the the twelve and the Pro Max. Okay, the twelve Pro apparently they're having trouble keeping in stock. Like that one's just True. flying. So when you look at just twelve, let's say iPhone twelve versus S twenty one, 
there's almost a hundred dollar price difference. There is, which is surprising. With Samsung being more expensive, yeah, because the yeah. important the important thing to make there, right? So that that is super interesting because it's in years past it seemed that except for last year when Samsung started at a thousand dollars, Apple was always the same price or more, and they flipped. Now Samsung is more. They're more two years in a row. Yeah. Should we move on to iPhone 12S or 13, whatever it's going to be? Lucky number 13. Good time. <laughs> Are they going to do with iPhone 13, Renee? In your, in your estimate, will it be called an iPhone 13 ever? I don't know because, you know, in the Chinese market, four is a bad word it, it, because it sounds like the word for death. And they would maybe Chinese market wasn't big back then, but they didn't seem to care too much about that. There was never an iPhone 9, never an iPhone 7S, never an iPhone 11S. So obviously they're not they're not precious about the naming conventions. My guess right, is yeah. it'll be an iPhone 12S this year just because they like to use the S to set expectations for when the design changes are mostly internal. So unless there's under they're under a lot of pressure to sell them like the iPhone 8 was because the 10 was going to be months more in the coming. I think it's just expected that they'll do a 12S. That's fair. I mean, Apple has done iOS 13, so they're not yeah. you know, shy to use it. 13, A13. 13 number. Do you yeah. guys know if, I tried to ask this on Twitter a few weeks ago and I got a lot of conflicting answers. When Apple released, let's just say iPhone 13. If you're in Japan, is it called iPhone 13 or is it called iPhone and then the word for 13 in Japanese? Do you get what I'm saying? Hmm. That's fair. Or in a Spanish, in a, if you're speaking Spanish, is it iPhone 13 or is it iPhone and then the word 13 in Spanish? Do you guys know I how it's, it's marketed? The, I believe it's the language. Okay. It'd be like iPhone dos, it's, iPhone it's printed in English. It, like it's printed with the English characters, but I don't know what they actually say in their commercials. Yeah. That'd be interesting to find out. Right. Because then I, it makes me wonder if like iPhone 4, for example, if you're, if you're saying it in one language versus the other, yeah. then it either sounds like death or doesn't, right? So <laughs> just curious, just curious how, if, if you knew. Interesting. But apparently, apparently like iPhone Brooklyn 99. We're still in the dark. <laughs> so iPhone 12 S, we got to give a shout out to Mark Gurman, who's also been on the Big show before. Out. Yeah, he worked this week. He's been busy. He's just been dropping. Yeah. And the thing is, a lot of what, so a lot of the rest of the show today is going to be based on articles that Mark has published so his reporting and the thing is i would almost throw all of this away if his name wasn't attached to this like it's it's, a lot of this is so just unbelievable and it's going to be in as it pertains to the max later on but first let's start with just the iphone 12 in display fingerprint reader iphone 12s rather in display fingerprint reader john's clapping 120 hertz promotion which John should be clapping for because several months ago he said if Apple yes. releases the iPhone 12 without a 120 hertz ProMotion display, they should be embarrassed and ashamed. And I still, st- I still stand by that. Well, I mean, they wanted do to do it this year, but they couldn't get the panels that were in the Galaxy Note. The Samsung just couldn't fab enough for an iPhone run. So they tried to use the panels from the Galaxy S20, and they just couldn't, they couldn't make those adaptive, and it was taking too much power. But as soon as they got those Galaxy Note level panels, the ones that have the LTPO in it, that was like all steam ahead for them. Yeah. And I think a lot of people forget this. When Apple wants to add a feature, especially a hardware feature, to a device, they Mm -hmm. need to take into account that the volume that they're going to sell over the next 12 months is roughly in the 200 to 240 million range. So if Mm -hmm. OnePlus, let's just say as an example, is able to add some crazy hardware feature, but they're only going to sell 200,000 phones for the next 12 months. You have to remember, it's a lot easier to get 200,000 of a part than it would be to get 220 million of that same part. And that's why sometimes Apple has to wait on some of the more innovative hardware features because they need to be able to get it in volume. They can't risk two months into the, the iPhone run that this part all of a sudden is unavailable and they can't make iPhones for several weeks at a time. So yeah, display is hard. Like Amazon had TFT panels long before the iPad did just because they couldn't make enough TFT at the time. And now it's the same thing with LDPO. Yes. Any other features though? Like those are the two that I've seen, like the in-display fingerprint reader, which would be nice to see because in an era where everybody's wearing masks or most people are, you should be. Yeah. 
and face ID all of a sudden becomes non-functional, you're doing a lot of typing your code in. So this kind of fixes that. And then 120 hertz ProMotion, which is something people have been hoping for for a couple of years. But aside from that... Smaller notch. I mean, it's, some, it's something, right? Probably a new color. <laughs> the X, well, the X60 modem, so the 5G won't be as battery gutting. Won't this be the first modem with Apple modems, though, allegedly? It's going to be three years, I think, before they get the Apple modems spun up. So they're going to be, I think, using through the X65 or the X70 before they have the Apple modems ready. Got it. S-year phones, usually, even though they look similar to the previous years, those phones usually have a lot of the more impressive, like, internal features. And I'm just wondering, like, what else... Maybe it's just too early in the year. Like we're only no in port January, on one of the models, the Drew. No port on one of the models. Maybe. How how much do you believe that rumor? Well, I mean, German said that they've been playing around with it, and and Guomingchi said that they were trying to. They might do it for one model, but it's going to be a weird. Like the MagSafe is a great idea, but I don't. I haven't seen any data transiting for it yet. So there's nothing to prevent it from being able to do data. Correct. Hot scoop. I got a scoop for you. I am not going to reveal my source, but what I've been told by someone who should know is that MagSafe, it will almost be like putting a Thunderbolt cable onto your iPhone and it's going to use the ultra wideband chip. And that's going to be what does the data transfer. So the ultra wideband is going to communicate. If you plug, I don't know if you plug in your MagSafe to, let's just say a Mac or something, it'll be able to communicate that way. And it's going to be very fast. And I had no clue yeah. that ultra wideband was, I thought it was just like GP, just location. I didn't realize like it could be used for fast data transfer, yeah. but apparently that is what is being planned. And who I learned this from is someone who would be building something for it. Was it Tim Cook? You can say if it was Tim Cook, he can't get fired. <laughs> just blink twice andrew if it was tim <laughs> i wish i wish but i mean imagine slapping a magsafe connector on the back of your iphone and having just an ultra way faster than usb3 like a super fast data connection that's and there's rumors it can reverse charge too like it's going to reverse charge air so it might really be finally the one connector that can do everything there you go <laughs> the one connector is the one that's not actually a connector yes it's magnets, the power of magic. Foldable? Foldable anybody? Not yet. It's not time. German says they're working on it, obviously. Clearly they're working on it, but they've been working on it since the iPhone 4. Years, I mean, I guess. Like they had big phones and foldable phones for the iPhone 4, but they thought they were trash. They never released them. And they thought that the <laughs> big phones were trash until the iPhone 6 and the OLED phones were trash until the iPhone 10. And it just depends on when they think the folding phones <laughs> are no longer trash. They just don't want to release trash. It's cool. It's cool. I mean, I would assume they have to get their displays. From, it's an assumption, but from Samsung, they'd have to be the one to make them. And I wonder if Samsung can even keep up. They get the fab from Samsung, but the latest thing is that they're trying to do ceramic shield on those panels. Because like Samsung has their own, they don't use Corning. They use another company for the Glastic. And then Apple's trying to use mm-hmm. ceramic shield for it. But Apple takes the OLED and then they do a whole bunch of their own stuff with it. So it's just a question of whether they feel like they can do something that's going to work for them. Makes sense. All right, let's let's talk about what I thought were the the hotter rumors from Mark Gurman and Bloomberg. First, let's start with the 2021 MacBook Air and MacBook Pro. So Apple's Apple's laptops. Obviously, we're in the middle of a transition to Apple's own M series chips. Yes, these are the we're sorry laptops. <laughs> right. Well, the, so let's start with the Z Air because this one is the easier one. The Air. Yeah. The Air should be getting a a larger display. I don't know if it's a larger display or just a shrunken border in the same shrunken size. Shrunken border. Probably a shrunken border, same yeah. size display. Yeah. Two USB 4 ports and MagSafe charging, which, which means MagSafe charging is coming back. In what capacity, though? Like, they didn't specifically say, like, is it going to look the same or can you still charge with It's going to look like MagSafe 2, but I don't know what the technology is going to be. And you can still charge through the USB ports, which means, hypothetically, they can put MagSafe on one side and then have the ports on the other and then allow you to choose what side you want to charge from, which... But John's going to have a non-USB-C cable again. See, like, this is where this whole thing breaks down. (laughs) He doesn't like that. No, no, you you still still charge through the USB port. You're good. You're good. I'm on an air right now charging with the USB-C cable. See, good. They're doing this for you, John. So that's, that's the rumor for the 2021 air. 
the bigger rumor. Oh, and it's going to be expensive. It's going to be like an uh, like the 12 inch MacBook. It's going to be more expensive and it'll have an M2 chip in it. Oh, right. Because they will keep mm-hmm. the current one yeah. in the lineup. So the current yes. M1 Air is not being replaced. That will stay in the line. And then this more premium version will come in at a more expensive price. MacBook Brokey and MacBook Bougie. It depends on which one you want. There you, <laughs> there you go. Now, let's, let's talk about this Pro for a second. This is the one where I was like, if Mark Gurman wasn't the one writing this, I would feel like someone's just trying to troll the internet. MacBook Pro, a 14-inch, which is going to be a new size, and 16-inch, which is the current size. Mm-hmm. SD card slot returns. The touch bar is removed and is replaced by the typical keyboard. MagSafe charging. Even right there, I feel like this is the <laughs> He's trolling this you? is the MacBook Pro 2015. Yes. But with an M series chip in it. That's the only thing. It's the same as the 2015 model, but we put our own processor in there. How believable is this? In, in a world where the Mac Pro is a cheese grater again? <laughs> right. <laughs> is this the perfect MacBook Pro? Is this what we've been waiting for? Oh, there's going to be something about it that'll drive us crazy. I mean, that's what Apple does, right? They make it like 95% perfect, but they always insert deliberately that 5% that makes every nerd lose their marbles. Butterfly keyboard 4.0? It'll be something. It'll be like the MagSafe <laughs> doesn't connect properly. Or it'll just be something. 480p camera. Like, I don't, <laughs> this is crazy, though. Like... This is everything that Apple like left behind, right? When they redesigned the MacBook Pro. So like my guess is that they saw the success that the iPhone and the iPad were having and that the MacBook Air was having that, you know, they always had a very small part of the Mac market of the, of the PC market. And they saw the, the money, the success that was available in more consumer oriented computing. And there was this whole new generation of what I'm calling self-identifying pros, like founders and travelers and people who just wanted a pro brand. So they thought that if they pushed the pro into more of a prosumer machine that was lighter and thinner and more sleek, more MacBook mm-hmm. Air-like, they would sell a lot more. And they did because those machines sold like gangbusters compared to previous pros. Mm -hmm. But I think the mistake they made is they even had like a low end two port version that was like a MacBook Air, but they didn't make the high end version. If they had just made the high end version as well, just like a Mac Pro to keep all those pros happy, I think they would have saved themselves five years of grief. But now they've got this pro uh, workflows team reports right into their hardware division and they're hitting it going, nope. This, this ain't cool. You got to fix this. So we have sort of like representation there and they're going back to their traditional hardcore pro Mac roots. I also wonder if any of this has to do with Johnny Ives departure where, you know, I think a lot of us have assumed, we don't know, but that a lot of the decisions yeah. made when Johnny Ive was at the helm were a lot of them seem to be made in the interest of form over function at times. And now that he's departed, if we are seeing the return of function because cooler heads are prevailing when it comes at least to that that portion. Now, that being said, the one rumor that that flies in the face of that is that the the top and bottom halves of the MacBook Pro are going to be flat. So if you close your MacBook Pro. It is going to be yeah. as flat as it's going to be like a, a big iPhone, basically. So there's no curvature, but the curvature is necessary to easily pick it up off of something like a desk. Like you need the curvature is where you put your fingers to like lift it up. So you'd have to like slide it off the edge two hand lift. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't <laughs> that part seems kind of weird, but they did that with the iPad. So that's why I believe it. Like the iPhone is like that now to your point, but also the iPad Pro is like that now, too. So they're going to do it like they're just crazy enough. Yeah. I was going to say exactly the same thing. And I do want to say, as, as critical as I've been of Apple for some of the products, I am currently using an M1 MacBook Air, and I love it more than I've loved any computer in a really long time. Yeah, it's really good. I keep hearing uh, that. Battery. I keep hearing Battery that. life, power. I mean, the thing has just been absolutely amazing. I have a hard time even comprehending what an M2 right. was even going to be capable of doing. So anybody out there who's worried about switching from Intel, I, I would put those worries very clearly aside. I cannot... For the life of me, tell us I dig it if I'm using a x86 app or an ARM app. Rosetta has been, oddly doesn't come pre-installed, but is done such an admirable job. I am so happy to not have a touch bar. <laughs> it sounds like really like Apple's like, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry. It's like we're a sorry, life without beach go. balls. That's what M- M1 feels like to me. Yeah, I would never have believed it. it. It's a, like, it's very yeah, weird. It has, no bu- 
is no business being this good. No. I mean, it, it get, I cannot overstate how good this MacBook Air is. It's as responsive as an iPad, which is a really weird feeling on a Mac. Yeah, and having it, if you if you close it, you know, you have a computer on, and you just close it, and you lift the lid. I oftentimes, if like, I think that the computer didn't even turn itself off or didn't go to right. get those Craig Federici vibes. It's, it, <laughs> you're like just staring at. It. Yeah, exactly. And like, I don't, I don't consider myself like an Apple Homer. Like, I tend to call them out when I think they've done something wrong. But man, the, for a first generation chip, I cannot even wrap my head around what a second, third, and pro level chips are going to do. If it's just more graphics cores or what, but. I cannot wait. I, I'm here for the next generation of Mac OS hardware. My guess is like the, the M1 is based on the A14 architecture and IP generation. Yeah. So the next one will be based on the A15. The only thing I don't know, like we know what that's like, we know what the every year updates to the, to the iPhone feels like, but it's an iPhone. There's only so much you can do with it. So I really want to see what those yeah. yearly updates feel like on a Mac where you can really go to town on them. Renee, do you think the age of the GPU is done and it's just graphics cores now? Like as far as Apple goes? Yeah, I think for Apple, they're they're going to do, uh, they said systems on a chip. What I'm really interested, though, is if how they scale that. Like there's rumors of them doing like, what's it, 64 GPUs, 128 GPUs on a <laughs> Mac Pro. <laughs> yeah. And I don't honestly care if it's if it's embedded or if it's discrete. I just want the performance. Like I feel like that's their problem to figure out. I'm going to judge them solely yeah. on the performance they give me. I completely agree. Transition over to the desktop. This will be the last topic for the show. Let's talk about the 2021 desktop rumors, starting with the iMac. Flat redesign. So the first redesign in years. The flattening. Like almost 10. People don't realize the back of the current iMac, the reason it's so bulbous is so it can fit the the hard drive, the hard disk drive. I assume Flatter. that's going to go away permanently. We're going to have SSD. Thinner bezel, similar to the Pro Display XDR, M-series processor, of course, and new sizes. So again, this will be a big, a big deal for the iMac. It'll be the first time it's been redesigned in, in such a long time. And then Mac Pro, like Renee just said, next gen. So the, the rumor is there's going to be a next gen Intel model. Yes. Mm-hmm. And a smaller M series model that's about half the size, which is akin to a G4 cube. Yes. I think the Intel one is just like they made a, a they made a last version of the MacBook Pro before they went M1. They made a last version of the Intel iMac before they went M1. Mm-hmm. I think they're just going to make a last version of the Mac Pro on Intel for people who use software that isn't going to transition anytime quickly and they want to buy the last version of Intel so they have like 3 4 years of leadway before they have to buy an M version of it. So like my guess is that's just right. an iteration and not a real like new version of it. Yeah. Is your guess also that that would mean that it would not be announced simultaneously? Uh, yeah, I think like, they said two years. I know Steve Jobs got his transition done in one, but uh, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take them. And that's, that's going to be the last yeah. one. It's always the last one that they transition. Okay. What are you expecting from the Mac Pro? You kind of started alluding to it, but... Did you say 128 cores potentially on? <laughs> on the I mean, system that's how they're scaling them. But I also what, what I wonder about more is all this modular architecture that they announced in 2019, because that's really late to announce it if they're not going to use it. So, like, what, what I would right. love to see is like the SOC, but then things like the Afterburner card, like one for Final Cut Pro, one for Logic Pro, so you can basically take that naked metallic core and turn it into the most accelerated machine ever. Like M1 is great, but it works on H.264 and H.265 acceleration. ProRes, I believe, is still CPU bound, but Afterburner fixes mm-hmm. that. And then you start adding in these other modules. And that, that's what I'd really like to see is them make, deliver on the promise of a modular Pro machine. Yeah, especially if you bought in. Like, so for me, I have a Mac Pro here and I have the Afterburner card in there and I have my two MPX module slots filled. So when I saw the M series Mac Pro will be half the size. My first thought was, wait, but what about my modules though? Like what about these expensive yeah. modules that I bought into? Are these just no longer going to be a thing? Like that would be weird. That's crazy. And I sell them to Pixar on a discount. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. Renee Ritchie. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. Guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let people know where to find you. If they want to check you out your content or the content you do with Georgia. So yeah, you can find me at youtube.com slash Renee Ritchie and you can find the podcast at youtube.com slash Apple Talk Show. There you go. Next week, we will have MKBHD as our guest. We are back. Thanks for listening, everybody. 
And that is it for this edition of Geared Up. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can catch John and I on YouTube. I'm at youtube.com slash gear live. And John is at youtube.com slash John for Lakers. Feel free to head over and subscribe to our channels to stay up to date on all the latest tech. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to Geared Up in your favorite podcast app if you haven't done so already. Just search Geared Up. That's two words, not one in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, or really wherever you choose to listen. If you like what we do, please consider leaving us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the show. Geared Up is a Gear Live podcast, and you can see more from us at GearLive.com. Thank you so much for listening. For John Rettinger, I'm Andrew Edwards, and we'll catch you in the next episode.